1: Hey, everybody. Did you ever have that uncle like Eddie at a Christmas vacation that starts a joke with these three guys walking? These three guys walk into a bar and everybody digs for the carpet. Well, guess what? I happen to know the other two guys. I'm the third. Welcome to the three podcasters walk into a bar. My name's Stu Turley, President and CEO of the Sandstone Group. I've got David Blackman. I mean, David Blackman is a busy, busy guy. Um, He is a telegraph and daily caller and Forbes contributing authors. He has his podcast, The Energy Question, and it's going bonkers. And he's also on uh, The Energy Transition out of Brazil, Dallas, Bulgaria and the UK. What a great team you got on there! Welcome, David. Hey, man. How you doing? I hope I'm hope having a... all right. I'm worried about RT, but I'm glad to see you. Oh yeah, we, he's had a lobotomy. And then we have uh, RT. <laughs> I mean, RT is one of them big dogs over at Pecos Operating Corporation. He has it's an EMP. So I have to say that so he can understand that, E and P, and that is over there. It's an oil and gas exploration company, and he's over there, also has The Crude Truth. And I mean, The Crude Truth is a hoot. Welcome, RT. Stu, thank
0: you so much uh, for the introduction. It is always uh, great to be here with you and the. David Blackman, it's just it's just a great day. I've got, I'm, I'm happy. Uh, God is good. Uh, uh, we're we're just out here on location, up, 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 giggling. Uh, uh, we just got done staking the next two wells that we're gonna start drilling uh, here next week. Uh, nice. So I'm just, I'm just, I, I can't believe it. I, I kind of don't know what to do with my hands right now. I'm just so excited. As always, well, uh, God is uh, good, and to be here with you too is just awesome.
1: Keep them visible, please, RT hey david we got a few things we got a few things that you you're an animal i mean you're a day ai why don't we throw ai totally away and just use david blackman there you go Uh, i think we should uh david uh you had a great great podcast i mean this podcast was really cool about uh nuclear Molten sand or whatever it was. Tell us about that.
2: Molten salt, thank you. The first molten salt reactor in the state of Texas, Uh, Natura Resources is the company. The CEO is Doug Robison, an old friend, who is a a fellow who made his fortune in the oil and gas business and is now leading the way to bring Texas into the 21st century nuclear technology with a molten salt reactor in conjunction with four universities not three not two not one but four uh is that abilene abilene,
0: christian,
2: yep. abilene yep. christian university where the reactor itself will be housed and the facility is already built and ready to go wow uh, the university of texas at austin texas a&m university and college station and georgia tech as well and uh, all four research universities working on the same project uh, to bring this molten salt reactor to reality. And uh, the, the thing about this technology is this reactor is going to be roughly the size of the refrigerator in your kitchen. Okay. And, and it's housed underground and it's going to be on a faci- in a facility smack in the middle of the ACU campus in Abilene. And uh, there's no concerns about radioactivity, no concerns about meltdowns the safest technology in the world it's reliable it will generate electricity 24 hours a day seven days a week for very little cost and uh it's it's the coming thing this is a proven technology rather than a a you know a hoped for technology like cold fusion and things like that all right, you got
1: uh, R.T., David, you got he's R.T. He's going to be up and running by
2: 2025, by the way. Anyway, that's all I want to
1: you say. You got R.T.'s jaw just hit his dashboard. For our <laughs> listeners that are on the podcast, I have to describe R.T. R.T.'s sitting there flabbergasted, and normally we know that he's out a flycatcher with his mouth hanging open, but he really had that flapper going. David, are you
0: serious? Yeah, yeah. totally i mean excuse me i can't believe that how awesome it is that we're we're creating a power source that's first of all the size of a normal refrigerator okay and then it's going to be in the middle of a freaking college campus see if it's secure underground i'm sure however you know what a way to throw those worries to the wind and I think that's just awesome because, you know, people always talk about the the, the danger that's involved with nuclear. And, you know, I remind people all the time, hey, we have submarines that are nuclear and aircraft carriers that are nuclear. Yeah. If yeah. it is that safe for us to defend with, why would it not be safe for us to use? And, and I've said head. it here and I know you know. Yeah, my head, My head, it just kind of like, goes
1: after it sorry
0: yeah no but i mean you know i'm not against any form of energy that will create the power needed to move our country and the world forward and like you just said david this is a way that that is truly going to happen uh what's the name of the company again
2: natura n-a-t-u-r-a resources they're they're located in dallas uh, but the research project Uh, is in Abilene at Abilene Christian University. Uh, The website is natureresources.com for anyone that wants to go read about it. And uh, you can also watch the episode of The Energy Question where Doug takes us through the whole thing from cradle to
1: grave. Isn't that great? Yeah,
2: it's fantastic. And look, these are going to be modular reactors uh, with up to 500 megawatts of generation capacity. You won't have to build multi-billion dollar transmission lines they'll be able to be sited right in the market centers where the electricity is needed and used Uh, it's it's clean it's zero emissions it's it's a technology that's going to be the wave of the future i fully believe it i think it's going to be well out ahead of, of anything else in the nuclear space and folks if you if you want to get to net zero you can't get there without massive expansion of nuclear. It's as simple as that. Wind and solar are not gonna, I mean, they have, solar in particular has a legitimate use and a legitimate place and a well-managed power grid. But if you wanna get to net zero, you have to have 24 seven reliable, predictable generation. And that's gonna come with modular nuclear like this molten salt reactor.
1: Well. Uh, I'm I'm going to ask a couple things because even with all the nuclear that we could do, we're still going to need lots of oil and gas.
0: You yes, still we need.
1: Are. You still going to need that. Now, on the cost per kilowatt hour, did he mention what that's going to be? Because it's got to be way lower. You're not going to. Well, help. it will
2: be once once it's been brought up to scale, obviously. Uh, but right. you know, of course, initially it'll be high. Um, due to upfront capital, like just like we're experiencing with all these renewable technologies, right? Uh, but ultimately, it'll be the cheapest power on the grid, and there's oh, no question about it. Once you scale it up, it'll be the cheapest power
1: on the grid. Isn't that great? Yeah,
0: hey, that's awesome.
1: Hey, RT uh, Harold Hamm threw out a uh, a bone the other day, and he said that oil has a chance of going to 150 bucks. What do you think about? Uh, going to 150.
0: Well, I mean, J.P. Morgan put out something that said we got a chance to go up to $300 a barrel, but I don't, you know, I'm not running to the bank on that either. No. Um, I, You know, guys, y'all are the experts when it comes to, to the financial side of, of where oil's going. I do know that we are running low on our supply, uh, and it's due to the fact that we continue to produce from existing fields and not drill new wells. So the the more we continue to do that, I do know our supply is going to go down. So there is really no reason why we probably won't see $120 oil, uh, maybe $150. Um, I will say this as an American and as an American a public at large, we hit 150 guys. Our economy is going to take a major hit. So from that standpoint, I really don't want us to. Yes, my oil will be a lot higher than what it is today. But, I mean, right. who are we kidding? People will not be traveling. Gasoline is already so high uh, that, you know, uh, can you imagine where it is today at $90 oil uh, and gasoline prices at now? Just imagine where gasoline prices would be at 150 Uh Stu, what do you think?
1: Um, I don't think we're going to get to the 150 I gave up uh trying to put a price out there you know with all the the demand demand and supply demand used to be a very easy one david and i could get our crayons out and go (laughs) "Mm, that would make sense now you have geopolitical you have the uh regulatory legislation through regular regulations you know who knows and then you have california that is just absolutely the poster child for stupid Um, you know what's weird? (laughs) All of our podcasts, the crude truth, the energy transition, and the energy newsbeat podcast, two of our biggest states, New York and California, for all of all three of our shows. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not kidding. We are big in Germany, we're big in the UK, and we're big in New York and California. And we've been like very vocal about that. But the refineries are the real big issue of why they have downsized all their refineries, RT, and the refineries, uh, there's a drop of more than 30% in refining production and now California is now importing from South Korea. Oh, it's really good for the environment to throw all that gasoline and diesel into a tanker, chug it across the ocean, yeah. and then have it dropped in. All yeah, they're bringing outside.
2: in refined products, not crude oil, right? Yeah. That's
1: right. Yeah. And uh, they are... Uh, Refineries are shutting down because California has imposed new regulation that bans the sale of gas power cars by 202035. All right, Ford, I, I can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> Ford just announced was it yesterday that they're stopping a multi-billion dollar battery plant. I believe it's Michigan they announced yesterday. Uh we had David, you wrote an article on the EU backing out of their commitment on these what do you think is going on
2: well i, th- I mean i think there's a general awakening starting to happen not just in the united <laughs> states but in europe and really in in other parts of the world i uh, that you know the realization that the reason why energy costs, the cost of all forms of energy, not just oil and gas, uh, but all forms of energy keep going up and up and up is because of these policies. And uh, it became really obvious in in Britain with, with the supposed conservative party trying to move this 400 page energy bill that would put all sorts of new costs and new demands on consumers, just an insane piece of legislation. And I think at that scared sunak you know they they've got an election coming up he has to call an election before 2025 and and so i mean he he came to a realization i think that he can't be re-elected his party cannot win a parliamentary majority uh by pursuing these policies that because consumers are in revolt
0: uh right. you have
2: protests in the streets in in london in paris uh, all over europe uh, you're starting to see uh, protests pop up here in the United States, and it's all due to these idiotic policies that these governments have been pursuing.
1: Right. And
2: right. Um, I think there's going to be a general backlash against all of it, and wow. uh, you're going to wow. see a lot of change in governments here in the, the quote, Western democracies in the coming few years because of it. The, the ramifications
1: uh, and uh, everything we yeah, go ahead, RT. The ramifications are well, huge because this goes across everything. What are yeah. we saying, RT?
0: Go ahead, RT. Well, let me just finish my statement. Um that, that's interesting that you talk about how we're gonna see political party well changes um uh, because of what's going on. Uh and you just wrote another article that really said the title of it, and I'd like maybe for you to expand uh, the title is if Trump's elected, kiss net zero goodbye. Yeah. And so I'd kind of like for you to expand on that because I, I do think that ties into what you just said that people are starting to understand that, hey, if we want to stay elected, we got to start making better realistic choices than hoping for, and I'm going to be crude, for fairy dust and unicorn pits. And, yeah. um, so I just think what you're saying
2: farts.
0: that sounds <laughs> a lot nicer for the children out there. I, I would say <laughs> than what I said, yes, uh, fairy dust and unicorn farts. And, um, so uh, please, if you don't mind, if you can expand on that just a little bit, that'd be great. Well,
2: I, I mean, the, the, the thesis of that piece that was in the, uh, telegraph, um, was that if Trump gets elected and and Sunak wins re-election, then the US and the UK are gonna be standing astride uh, all these uh, conferences at uh, the WEF and the COP 28, the COP conferences that are put on annually by the United Nations, saying we're not going along with the game anymore. And um, that's gonna put a lot of pressure on other european countries and canada and other western nations to you know kind of cool their heels in the same way and you already see countries like india, india italy greece <laughs> sweden and other countries in europe pulling back as well and and so much of this so much of this momentum has been built through peer pressure at these annual meetings where all the, the, quote, environmentalists fly in on their private jets and overwhelm the local airport and have $500 dinners every night with $1,000 bottles of wine, uh, you know, and, and pretend that they're saving the earth. And it's all peer pressure. And they adopt these resolutions that say, there's what we're all going to do. And they, and, you know, the, the representatives fly back to their chosen country and try to implement all that crazy stuff. Without ever thinking through the ultimate implica- implications of any of it, there's no overarching plan to integrate it all together into a real, true integrated plan, and and so you end up with with these unintended consequences and and costs of everything going up and artificial shortages being created and all that, um, and so you know if Trump gets elected. What was the first thing he did upon being elected the first time? He pulled aside the Paris Accords. Well, if he he gets elected again, and he closed the border, and if he gets elected again, he's going to do those same two things again. And he's going to say, this is all crazy. These these mandates for electric vehicles and, and building all these enormous wind towers in the Atlantic Ocean and killing all the whales, he's going to say, no, we're not going to do that and so you know, it's all going to change very quickly and and i just think that that sunak has set himself up as an obvious partner for trump in slowing all this nonsense down and and putting us on a better
1: path you know there's there's a lot to be said for having a dip, let's throw sustainable energy into a true format of fiscal has to be instead of esg it had better be fiscal energy i mean it's got to have that efg in there instead of you know you can't just print money the world's about to get hit in the back of the head with a shovel yeah
2: yeah i you know it's it's none of this is sustainable in any real sense uh, it and it all of course depends on how you define that term sustainable Right. Which, of course, the the environmental left always wants to ignore the economic impacts of all of this and the human impacts. OK, so right. the other thing right. they always want to ignore is the fact, the unarguable fact that all of this hits the the lower income folks the hardest. because Absolutely. They spend a higher percentage of their income on energy than wealthier people do. Well, who's setting all the policies, the wealthier people who aren't impacted by these policies. And And so it's, it's just a terrible situation where the worst people possible are making all the decisions, and we've got to stop it.
1: Oh, you bet. Well, David, uh, I do appreciate you. And I think we're just about out of time. And I think well, RT, I've dominated the heck out of this episode, but that's okay. I love it. You are phenomenal. <laughs> and uh, we do have a few bloopers that we're going to add back in, David, and uh, send those out so that. Oh, my gosh. Uh, oh yeah we'll have some fun because it got me there doing that really bad yeah. rt I picking I, my I,
2: nose i don't think i was hopefully not No,
1: but um you know rt uh we're we uh we know he's out on the uh in west texas in a well pad so yeah took, we
2: lost uh, him yeah yep
1: yeah. anyway well david thank you so much i do appreciate you, it you. we will see you on the next you, episode all right all right, all right.